0: We're going to return this morning to our study in 2nd Samuel. So if you'll turn in your copy of God's word to 2 Samuel chapter one, 2nd Samuel chapter 1. If you've been with us, you know that we've covered now 1 Samuel and are starting into 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel, if you'll recall, uh, begins with joy. It begins with a, a birth announcement. As Hannah, who had been barren, is blessed with a child. Samuel, who she then commits to the Lord, and uh, thus we have the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel that bear his name. And so we have in 1st Samuel, the beginning, uh, in in joy and a birth, and then as you come to 2nd Samuel, and as we open up this book of the Bible, we have lament, because there's a death. It's quite a contrast. We started to look at it just a couple of weeks ago when we I began looking at the first half of this chapter where David hears about Saul's death. And then the second part of the chapter is David's lament. And if you read ahead, which I hope you did, you may have read through this wondering well, what exactly are we going to talk about today? Because it's just a series of verses that express David's sadness over the passing of Saul and Jonathan. It's not organized in such a way that it it makes it the easiest passage to preach. In fact, as I was studying and looking through it a couple of weeks ago, I remember telling myself, I wish I had a little bit more time to figure this out. And lo and behold, uh, I went to the yard ER last weekend and got an extra week. And I still don't know that that helped me uh, much on the passage. But where I did land and where I do want to focus on today is, is what I think is the overall theme of this passage, and that's lament. It's, it's grief. And I think God's Word has a lot to tell us about how we are to lament and how we are to grieve. And there's a lot of times that we, we look to God's Word for instruction. Perhaps there's been times in your life where you, you wanted to know how to pray, and so you look in the back of your Bible and you find prayer, and then you look at those verses on prayer, and, and perhaps there's times you've Felt the need to have more patience, and so you look up verses on patience. We, we often use God's word as, as a reference of sorts in that way, but we need to understand that when we look at the big picture of the Bible, there's so much more that we can learn. And one of the things we need to learn about that I think maybe we, we, we don't learn about as much as we need to is what God's word says about grieving, what God's word says about lamenting, and how it is we are to deal with death. So that's what we're going to look at this Lord's Day as we walk through this passage together. And so out of reverence for God's word, if you're able to, if you would stand together as I read for us 2nd Samuel chapter 1 verses 17 through 27. And this is what the holy word of God says. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son. And he said it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashar. He said, Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters... Of the uncircumcised exult, you mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there is the shield of the mighty that was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am... Distressed for you, my brother Jonathan, very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. If you would pray with me. Father, as we consider this word now, I pray that it would teach us, that we would learn from you and from this word, that, that, that you might help us, even in the midst of looking at David's lament, to see a fuller picture of the gospel of our Lord Jesus, that we might respond in repentance and faith. And we ask this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know how many of you are country music fans, but there was a, a song a number of years ago that came out. The title was... Don't cry for me when I'm gone. Now, I realize that sounds like the title of half of country music songs, but uh, this particular one started this way. Don't cry for me when I'm gone, just let my memory live on. Think of all the good times that we've known. Oh, don't cry for me when I'm gone. And that song, it really captures the sentiment of how so many people in our culture today deal with death and deal with grief that, in essence, we don't really want to deal with death and grief. When we think about our own lives and our own passing, we, we don't want people to cry. We don't want people to be sad. We don't want people to lament and to grieve. We, we don't want them feeling bad. And that's why we see culturally so often now that instead of referring to a funeral, we'll talk about a celebration of life. That even at a funeral, we we want to celebrate a person's life. We want to think about the the good memories. We want to bring a a smile to one another's faces as we consider a life that was well lived. And those things are right and they're good. But something we should always be asking ourselves as Christians, as followers of our sovereign God, is how is it that, that we in particular should deal with things differently than the world around us? How should we, in particular, deal with death and grief that might separate us out from a world which sings songs like Don't Cry For Me When I'm Gone? How should our sentiment be different? How should our practice be different? Specifically, how should our faith affect how we face and deal with death? And we learn the answers to those questions when we come to passages like 2 Samuel chapter 1, where we see David grieving. We don't find David here singing, uh, don't cry for me when I'm gone. That's not Saul's song. That's not Jonathan's song. David is lamenting. And that's not a sentiment we see throughout God's Word. Pastor David read earlier that passage concerning Lazarus and his death. And when Jesus faces death, he weeps, he laments, and he grieves. And so I think for us this morning, I just want us to consider as we look at this passage, well, well, how do we do that then? Well, what is it we're supposed to do, and, and how are we supposed to do it? And so we'll begin with the first point in a very simple outline this morning. A reminder that we should grieve death. We should grieve death. We see there in verse 17, David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son. Now, two things stand out to us from that. One is, is the, the intensity here that David's really grieving. He, he lamented with this lamentation. And what it's referring to there is that, that David, in putting this lamentation together, this, this grief on paper together, he's wanting to record this that others might read it and grieve as well. And so he's grieving, and the reason he's grieving very clearly is over Saul and Jonathan. Now, we expect David to grieve over Jonathan. And if you've been following with us through 1 Samuel, you know that David and Jonathan were like brothers, that David and Jonathan loved one another, that there were multiple uh, times where David's life is spared because of Jonathan, where Jonathan is the one stepping in and protecting David and, and overseeing things so that David can make a way of escape. We, we see that Jonathan's one of the first ones to acknowledge and really affirm God's anointing of David as king. And you think about that. I mean, Jonathan's the one next in line to the throne. He had everything to lose by affirming that. But he, he seems to be the one really trusting in God. And he, in the midst of his trust in God, has this very close bound relationship with David. And so when Jonathan passes and David hears of Jonathan's passing, we, we expect grief. We expect lamentation. That's expected. In fact, we see here in verse 26, again, the, the, the intensity of that relationship that they had. As, as David recalls, Jonathan lies slain in your high places. I, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. And he talks and he, he memorializes Jonathan and the relationship that he had with him. We, we expect that. But we probably don't expect David to have that same intensity that same lamentation over Saul I mean again if you've been with us if you've studied through God's word you know what Saul was to David I mean Saul tried to kill David Saul pursued David and and he wanted him dead I I don't know about you but if if I had someone in my life who I had sat across the table from who had pulled out a weapon and tried to kill me multiple times (laughs) I'm not sure how sad I would be when I found out they had passed. And even David here, it wasn't just that Saul had tried to kill him. Saul seemed to be the great barrier between David and the call that God had put on David's life, that, that God had anointed David to be the king, and yet Saul was reigning as the king. And it, it seems that, that we might look at this historically and think, well, David's just, just kind of waiting for the day. I mean, we even see multiple times when he or others could have taken Saul's life, how he he doesn't, and he instructs them not to because Saul was the Lord's anointed. But in that, he he says that God's going to deal with Saul. And now God has dealt with Saul. But we don't necessarily expect David to be very sad about that, and yet he is. He laments and he grieves. And so the question that I think comes to us then is why? Well, why is David so sad that Saul is dead? We, we know he's sad and why he's sad because Jonathan's dead, but why is he sad that Saul is dead? Well, I think first, uh, David is grieving for Saul and for Jonathan because of what death itself is. And, then, and there's a particular here, and we'll get to that, but I think the broad, the, the in general part of this is that death should always be grieved. And again, this is something peculiar to us as the people of God because we live in a culture that increasingly wants to say, don't grieve death. Don't worry about death. Death is just a part of life. Death is just the next chapter. We're just passing on to it. Death is natural. Yet the Scripture says that no, death is not part of life. Death is not just the next chapter. The scripture tells us that death is the consequence of human rebellion against a holy God. And first and foremost, when we consider death, we we need to be reminded of where death came from. That that in creation, in the garden, God created the garden and Adam and Eve. And as you read through the creation account in Genesis, what, what phrase do you see repeated? And it was... Good. It was good. He, he creates the world, and it was good. And He creates vegetation, and it was good. And He creates animals, and they were good. And He creates Adam and Eve, and it, they were good. And when you get to the end of the creation account, it's still all good. There is no death. It's not natural for death to enter the picture. Now, death enters the picture because Adam and Eve sin and rebel against a holy God. God gives His command, and they refuse His command. They, they sin against God. They, they turn from their sovereign creator, and they walk by sin, not by faith. They walk in the flesh, not in righteousness. And so when they do that, well, then sin enters the picture, and nothing is as it should be. And today... We, we still deal with this lingering consequence of sin. I mean, think about it for a moment. For, for many of you this morning, you've, you've heard the gospel. Uh, I just shared the first part of it, that, that we have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But in, in Romans 5, 8, we read, God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 10, if we confess Jesus as Lord, and we put our, our trust in Jesus then we'll be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we we see this act of redemption and reconciliation, taking what was terribly wrong and making it right through the death of Jesus on the cross, so we can be made right with God. And yet, we will still die. Death is a lingering consequence of sin. And even for us who have responded by faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're still going to walk through death. And so death should be something we grieve, no matter whose death it is, because it's a reminder to us of the fall and the lingering consequences of sin and man's rebellion against God. But then second, I think David here is grieving for Saul and Jonathan's death because of the absolute finality of death. Saul and Jonathan are gone, and they're not coming back. Now David repeats this phrase, you probably picked up in it. How the mighty have fallen, how the mighty have fallen, how the mighty have fallen. And the mighty aren't going to get back up. He's referring here to David and to Jonathan, and I think he's even referring plurally here to, to Israel and to all that have fallen at this point. And he's lamenting and he's grieving because it's over. There's no second chance. That there's no do over. The dead are dead, and David is grieved. I mean, you just consider for a moment in all of David's years between the time that God had anointed him as king and all the, the, the things he had gone through up until this point of learning of Jonathan's death. And you think about how many times, perhaps in conversation with one another, that David and Jonathan maybe talked about the day that David would become king. And maybe in those conversations, they talked about what Jonathan's place in the kingdom would be. And perhaps David thought about how he would go to Jonathan for wise counsel at times. And now, none of that will ever happen. Jonathan will never see David reign as king. Along those same lines, perhaps David, many times, as he would have those encounters with Saul, that we saw this, this familiar pattern where Saul would come and there'd be this moment where David could have killed Saul and David doesn't kill Saul and then it seems to be a turning in Saul's heart where Saul would then acknowledge that David was the rightful king and how he was going to reign and and Saul seems to be trusting in this sovereign plan of God but he would turn from that quickly but perhaps deep down David's thinking you know one day he's not going to go back on his word I mean, God said that I'm going to be king. And so one day is going to come where, where Saul is going to have this turning of the heart and it's going to stick. And it's not going to change. And David may have thought about that day when he's inaugurated as king and, and perhaps he pictured Saul and Jonathan being there. Perhaps he pictured that this changing of the guard before the people. Perhaps he had in mind this idea of Saul passing the baton to him. And now that's not going to happen. Saul's never going to see David reign as king. David's never going to receive Saul's blessing. Because David knows that death is final. And this grieves David. And this should grieve us as well. And a culture... That does say, don't cry for me when I'm gone. We need to understand, no, we we should cry. And we should grieve death. One, because it is the consequence of human rebellion against a holy God. But two, because of the finality of death. And for those of you who've walked this path with someone you know and love, this has probably for you been the hardest thing. It's been the hardest for me. It's just the finality of it all. Now the chair at the table that's empty and it's never going to be filled. Memories that are never going to be made. That there's never going to be another picture. There's never going to be another vacation. It's just over and it's hard. and, And it's something we should grieve. And it's something we should lament. But we need to understand that as we do this, we're not to do it alone. One of the great gifts that God has given His people is His people. One of the great gifts God has given the church is the church. And we are called as the people of God to celebrate together, to pray together, to give together, to gather together, and to mourn and lament together. And that brings us to the second point there. Number two, we should grieve death together. Verse 18, David laments, and he said that it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is to be written in the book of Joshar. Now, some of you, you may have gone to your table of contents and thought, well, I don't know that I have that book in my Bible, and you don't. Uh, that That is a, a book of songs historically among God's people. It is recorded several places in the Old Testament. It's long since been lost. We don't have it, but... What most historians believe is that this was just a collection uh, of songs that God's people would sing. And within those songs, there was a historical context. And so much like our psalms that we do have, and and those are songs and prayers we can go through often, and we can see at the top of them when this was written and who wrote it and what, what was the historical context of it. And so the picture here seems to be that that David's saying, among the songs of our people, among the things that we're going to teach our children, I want this written down. I want us to lament together as a people for the Lord's anointed and for Jonathan and for the people of Israel. He's calling here for a national lament. Verse 24, he says, You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul. Now, you may remember another time in our study where the daughters of Israel were gathered together. And that time it wasn't for weeping, it was for celebrating. You remember when Goliath, the great Philistine warrior, had been slain, that David and Saul and the people, the army of God are, are returning. You have the daughters uh, coming together, daughters of Israel, and they're celebrating and they're singing. And they're singing more about David than about Saul, but they're, they're singing nonetheless. There's great joy. But now David says, this is time to sing, but to sing a song of lament. And this lament is meant to be shared. And that's a good reminder for us today. But because we, as God's people, we, we, we need to share in lament and in grief with one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 says, we're to encourage the faint-hearted and to help the weak. But friends, I'll remind you this morning, we can't bear a burden we don't know about. And we can't encourage the faint-hearted if the faint-hearted are trying so hard to turn that frown upside down and put on a happy face that we don't know they're faint-hearted. See, I, I, I'm concerned about the state of the church today, not, not just our church, but churches in general, that, that there's no room for sadness In our churches, that there's not room for lament. Church should not be a place where you feel like you have to come in and pretend everything's okay. And yet, think of how our gravitational pull is towards that. Maybe you've had a bad week. Maybe you've had a bad year. Maybe you've had a bad decade. Maybe you're doing everything you can just to get it together enough to walk through these doors and into this church, and then you encounter someone, and they're smiling, and you put on a smile, Well, how are you? Well, I'm great. Well, how are you? Well, I'm great. And you're just, you're not being authentic at all. And maybe there's something in you that wants to say, I'm not great at all. I'm barely holding it together. Now, I understand this morning that if you do that, people are going to be taken back. We don't know quite how to respond to that. And in part, we don't but because we haven't allowed that space in our churches. But we need to. That there's room in God's Word for David to share how sad he is. There should be room at Bloomfield Baptist Church for us to share with one another how how sad we are and how we're lamenting and how we're grieving. We, We should not do that in isolation. That's not healthy at all. And that's not the way God designed us. God has designed us as a people to bear one another's burdens. He's designed us as a people to encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. And we do this when we're honest with one another and when we grieve together. And we need this. We need one another. David was sad. David was also upset. I mean, here you notice that he wants everybody to know about this except for the Philistines, he makes it a point in his lamentation to say, don't, don't tell it in Gath, don't, don't publish it on the streets of Ashkelon. His fear, his concern is that the Philistines are going to celebrate the deaths of Saul and Jonathan. Now he doesn't know they've already done that. I mean, historically, we know what's already taken place here. They removed the head of Saul. They put his body up on the wall of one of their cities. Others had to come in and sneak to take it down. All that's already taken place. David will learn that in due time. But at this point, he doesn't know that's happened, and he doesn't want that to happen. Why? Because he's sad and because he's grieving. And so he wants other people to grieve with him. He doesn't want people celebrating that grief. We even see here in his sadness and grief, verse 21, that he curses the place where Saul and Jonathan died. I mean, he looks to that place, the mountain of Gilboa, and basically says, I don't want it to ever rain there again. I don't want the fields to ever grow there again. Now, obviously, David has no control over those things. It's going to rain at Gilboa. Now, there's going to be fields of harvest there. But, but what he's expressing here is his lament and his sadness. And he's expressing that to others. And friends, we, we need to express that to one another as well. And here's the thing. So many of us have gone through it. And one of the great comforts we have is when someone who's walked a road that we are now walking can come alongside us and can help guide us through it. But that's not going to happen if we're not real and honest and if we don't grieve together as a church and as God's people. We need one another and we need to grieve together. There have been many things that have happened over this last year with COVID that are having ongoing effects But I, I think one of the hardest ones That I've seen And it was hardest for me personally Is that so many people weren't allowed to grieve together As you know my father passed in April of last year And he passed right at the point When all these restrictions were coming into play And I don't even remember what the rule was at that point Maybe ten people But essentially we, we, we couldn't even have our family At the funeral for my dad His Brother and sister didn't come in from Virginia. My sister didn't come in from North Carolina. And that was hard and that was sad, but to be quite honest, probably the hardest, saddest part of all of it for me was that my church family could not gather and grieve with us. And I remember sitting there at my father's funeral and just, just grieving that. Grieving that I wasn't with God's people. Grieving that I wasn't with my church family. And then we pulled into the graveside. And then I saw how there were people from my dad's Sunday school class and people from church who had just kind of lined the graveyard and spread out there. And, and there was this sense where we weren't, we weren't right beside each other, but we are friends, we were together. And as I sat there by my father's grave, and as I heard the saints singing Amazing Grace, it ministered to my soul in a way that few things ever have and ever will. Because that's how God's designed us. He's designed us to lament together and to grieve together that we might build one another up and encourage one another. We desperately need that. It's one of the principal reasons we need to gather each and every Lord's Day together. That that we might come in and celebrate the gospel and pray for the work of the gospel, but that that we might have joy together and grieve together. We were designed that way. And so hear this. If, if you right now, this morning, feel like you're, you're grieving, lamenting, suffering in isolation, then don't. <laughs> Share that burden with another. That the people of God might rightly grieve with you. We're to grieve. We're to grieve together. And then finally, point three, we should grieve death together with hope in Christ. With hope in Christ. Well, we can't leave David's lament without considering how it points us to Jesus. To to the one that David's life and reign was put together, that, that we might see, and all things point towards. And so David laments multiple times in this passage again, the mighty have fallen. And the truth was that long after Saul and Jonathan, the mighty would continue to fall. David would fall, Solomon would fall, many would rise up, many would fall. But they all pointed towards one, that would not fall. A mighty one who would continue to reign. A mighty one who would defeat death and conquer death and raise from the dead. David's lament ends with how the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. And the truth is, they hadn't. Wars would continue. Wars do continue today. But one day they will end. One day the sword will be buried. One day every weapon will be laid down. And one day death itself will die. And that's ultimately where I believe this passage points us to. We grieve death because of the great consequence of sin, but Jesus, our Lord and King, has dealt with the great consequence of sin. And He has defeated sin and death so that we might hope in Him and trust in Him. And that is why We're reminded in 1 Thessalonians 4 of the day that is coming. I'll read it to you again, but we do not want you to be informed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who've died. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so friends, encourage one another with these words. Don't brush off death. And pretend it doesn't affect us. Don't tell people they just need to move on. Don't try to make peace with death. But trust in the one who brings us peace. Death should grieve us. But it should grieve us in a way that brings us closer to Jesus. Who's tasted death so that we might have life. And so the call from God's word today and each Lord's day. Is to put your trust in him. If you would, pray to that end with me. Father God, we do thank you for your word and this reminder today from your word of lament and grief, the need for it and how we are to do it. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do this. I pray that you would help us to be a people who grieve together and mourn together and lament together. I pray that you would help us to be people who have hope together as we trust in Jesus and hope in Jesus. And Lord, I do pray for that day of the great resurrection, where the dead in Christ will rise, and where we who are still alive, if we're alive at that point, we will be caught up together with Him, and we will be with Christ, and we will always be with Christ. So hope our trust and hope to be in Jesus today, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, if you would stand together as we offer. Now, a time of response. As we sing, we will feast in the house of Zion. We're looking ahead to that great day. But as we look ahead to that day, we need to deal with the reality of this day. We need to trust in the Lord today. And if your trust and your hope's not in Jesus, then we invite you to put your trust and hope in Jesus today. We, we remind you that God's Word says today is the day of salvation. And so if you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord, turned from your sin, repented, and put your full faith in Jesus, then we invite you to do that today. If God's leading you then to take that next step in obedience and baptism or to start the process of joining this church, we invite you to come as well. If you just need someone to pray with you, grieve with you, lament with you, we invite you to come. That I might counsel with you. Others will be available as well. So let's lift our voices together. Let's come as the Lord leads.